In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, my co-host Leaf Tulin and I, we are going to discuss who had the loudest introductions in the opening week of the college basketball season. Like I've been saying for the past week or so, college basketball is here. I'm excited to finally talk about games as opposed to talking about what a guy did last year, what he did in high school. So in this episode, we are going to discuss, again, the top guys that stood out in the first week of the 23-24 college basketball season. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my co-host is Leif Tulin, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. So, you know, Leif has been super busy over the last seven days. But before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA, but you got to use all lowercase for the locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Also, please like, share, subscribe. That is the best way to help us grow this YouTube channel because we are going to bring you draft takes, college basketball takes five days a week for the next I don't know, five, six months until the till the NBA draft. And so this is your best place for NBA draft coverage. All right, let's just get started, Leaf. First of all, what game stood out to you the most so far in this early part of the season? I know you talked about the Kansas State-USC game the last time we did an episode. Was that the game that that really caught your attention or was there another game? Well, that was the opening day's best game, and I don't think the game itself was very impressive, but Isaiah Collier certainly was. So right off the bat, I'll start off with him as someone who, whenever he was in the game, there was no doubt of, hey, am I looking for the NBA guy? You knew exactly yeah. what it was. And he he played like one in control, got to his spots, shot it well, got to the rim. play. I mean, he showed his ability to score from all three phases, pass the ball, and showed defensive chops that, we're solid, and and I don't think that's been you know something that everyone talks about. Everyone talks about always oh, a lead guard who can go to the rim and pass, and I think he passed all those with flying colors. But I think there was more there that was obvious against what was a high major team that was a three seed last year. And I know they lost some talent, but that's a team that should be eventually pretty solid. Um, and then I thought Baylor and Auburn uh, was actually the best game I've seen so far outside mm-hmm. of Duke and Arizona, but Duke and Arizona. Uh, I felt like we're more known known commodities in terms of prospect watching. Uh, Jacoby Walter, what what an introduction! I mean, he he shot the lights out. He showed a diversity with which he could score, and he he may be right hand dominant. Like that would be my knock on him. He everything he does, he gets back to his right hand. But man, was he good against some physical, quick guards! And that was a high quality game, eighty eight, eighty three in a in this second day of the season is pretty hard to watch. Like some of those games are pretty hard to watch. This one was not hard to watch at all. It's hard to score that much in college basketball at the beginning when there's lacking of continuity. I want to talk about Isaiah Collier. One of the things that really stood out to me is that, like you said, you know who the NBA prospect is. You know exactly when he's on the floor because he's always making something happen. Do you think that there is 
a clear opportunity for him to be the number one pick in what is considered a, a wide open draft? I think there's an opportunity. I I wouldn't put my metaphorical money on it. Uh, just because I think so much is put on the two-way wings and the creators, and there are some guys that fit that mold, even though they aren't seen as uh, t- can't-miss prospects. Like So Justin Edwards, who personally I'm a little torn on, and Ron Holland, who I prefer over Edwards, I think are more alluring to executives right now than Isaiah Collier. But I think he's gotten a chance to have a very uh, – he'll have a lot of attention on his performances playing at USC alongside Bronny, all this hype. And there's going to be a chance that because he's seen a lot and centrally uh, located the USC's and Marquee School, obviously for football, for basketball, it'll be big. They could make a big run because they have a talented team. And I think he could play himself into the discussion right now. I think he's on the outside looking in, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, even though it's a weaker class. I just think there's so much of a focus on taking those jumbo size creators or a two way wings. And, and it's just a little bit less of a, of an appeal to get a guy who's a six, four point guard. I think there's a chance. I mean, if if you've watched the two ignite games, Ron Holland, doesn't look like a number one pick. I've ha- actually had, and I won't say the comparison, but I talked to someone, and I've talked to multiple scouts over the last few days. And one of the things that one guy says, look, I know what a number one pick looks like. Ron Holland doesn't look like a number one pick. And then another scout is is saying, like, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. And then maybe Edwards but there's concerns about shooting a little bit. So I think this is wide open. And I I, I think Collier has a chance simply because one, I, I think he might be six, five and he, you can make a case and say that he could have the most impact on his team out of all the players in, in this draft class, because USC is going to go as he goes, you know, he can pass, you know, that he can get downhill and I just think that there is a chance, and just like the scouts I've talked to, I mean, they're just so worried about this class, especially if you're picking at the top. Because one one scout said, I think this is like 2013 all over again. And you could draft a guy number one, and he's going to have huge flaws, and you could end up basically losing losing your job because somebody that is – probably going to come out of nowhere that we're not talking about. That's probably not going to be in the lottery is going to end up being the best player in this class since it's so wide open. So I, I do think that, that Isaiah Collier has a chance to, to go number one. Let's talk about Jacoby Walter. So he had a phenomenal opening game and then the, the numbers weren't impressive at all in the second game. What were your thoughts on just, I know you talked about the phenomenal first game, but, but what were your thoughts on the, the huge contrast between game one and game two? Well, I think game one, he burst onto the scene in a nationally televised game against Auburn, who I don't think is incredible, but they do have the athleticism to present issues. And so I really value the fact that he had a lot of ease with which he scored. He, he went 7 of 13 to score 28 points, he shot 10 free throws, made all 10 of them. He hit multiple threes. He got to the mid-range. He is right-hand dominant, like I mentioned. 
but that stood out to me that he was able to do so against older, more physical guards that are on the caliber athleticism. And his second game, I actually watched some of it. Uh, John Wayne is who they played. And I watch a ton of college basketball. I had never seen or heard of John Wayne uh, in, as the school. Like that, that to me is more like an old school reference, not necessarily a school. And uh, I watched a bit of the game and you could just see the, the disparity athletic, athletically, they could get out and transition and run and score. So it was very heavily controlled by Ray J. Dennis and none, the the other two players in that backcourt who would just get out, run and score. And so Walter didn't have a necessity to score. And I don't think he had the same aggressive chops that you saw him demonstrate in game one that he had in game two. So I'm actually not concerned by the disparity in the box score. Okay, that's that's fair. All right, let's talk about Stefan Castle. You mentioned him in in the open. What do you think of his performance and has the two games that they've played changed like your mind on him coming into the season? I didn't really know what to expect from him coming into the season, so I wouldn't say he's swayed me too much either way so far just because I didn't have a strong feel uh as to where I would have him. Like I, I think a lot of my expectations are tempered just because of my knowledge for the class being lower. So I kind of have this, this idea of who's who, but not necessarily of, of, Oh, here's what I expect from this type of player compared to a relative class, which is how I typically do it. I'll I'll usually be like, Oh, like this guy is about as good as this guy from a previous class. I think this year it's more of an amalgamation of, Oh, these guys are the best of a bad class. And it's not necessarily fair to them, but it's just the way my mind works. Uh, I would say I'm not surprised. He filled the box score. Like, that's what he did in his previous outing. He scored, and he was efficient. He was 5 of 7, I believe, uh, which, you know, you would maybe want to see more volume. We'll see if when UConn plays better teams, how how much he's involved as opposed to what Tristan Newton does, how it impacts Klingon, Caravan, all these guys. They've got a lot, of, a lot of mouths to feed. I'm curious to see how well he, he scores when game plans uh, with athletes that can execute the game plans to thwart him. Uh, I'm curious to see the way he reacts to that because I think he's got an upside of being a jumbo creator, like I said, are very coveted. Any concerns about his lack of speed and burst? I had one of the the listeners comment that Castle's lack of speed, or he said he's just too slow for him. Do you have any concerns about that? Uh, it's hard because who they've played hasn't been able to expose that. It, right mm-hmm. now, uh, I don't have a great feel as to how well – NBA athletes look compared to him, like how well they move compared to him. Because if I were to compare him to some of those guys that are in the mold that I discussed, there's a few of them that aren't super fleet of foot. They use more guile and strength. And so it's possible. But that said, when you're playing competition that's inferior and and then you have to res- re- like resort to guile, that is a concern. But he hasn't had to do that yet. Everything's been easy for him thus far. And he put up big numbers against bad teams, and he did so five of seven. So I don't really care how he puts up those numbers until I see him have to adjust to a big Big East game plan or non-conference. And they play a great non-conference. So I think the the verdict is still out on uh, Stephon Castle. Yeah, obviously, yeah, still out on when everybody is really early. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about a few other prospects of some games, most notably the Duke Arizona game and the prospects that played in that game. But let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
And with basketball season here, you can now pick a combo of projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. The Specials League is the league that is created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can have LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions, or you can play a what they call the Community Plays League. You can play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like Meek Mill, who just dropped an album with Rick Ross. And then there's comedian Andrew Schultz. And in the Community Plays promo, you get to view the entries of some of the biggest names in the Prize Pick community as well. Also, they have a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game early in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. And Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. It has to be all lowercase. And if you use the promo code locked on NBA, you can get a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. All right, once again, once again, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen. Again, basketball season is here. We're going to be talking about basketball all over the world. If you're watching on YouTube and you notice that I am not at home, I am actually in Paris, France. I just came from, I've watched three games in two days. I actually went to watch Melvin Ajinka and Zachary You know, I'm in France and I've been pronouncing the names like in American. And then I learned that the E-R in French makes an A. And so um, so I went to watch those two guys play. And actually, I'm going to write about it on NBABigBoard.com. So please check out NBABigBoard.com. It is my newsletter. It is a subscription-based newsletter. And the the money is used to help support my travel so I can give you the most unique draft coverage because I am all over the place. I was actually supposed to go see T. John Salon today, and it was such a difficult journey to get from Paris to Cholet. It was like a three-hour train ride, and then because the games here start late, I would have had to like stay in a hotel and then get a train back in the morning and so on, and then I got word that he's sick i'm like i'm not about to go on a three-hour journey after i went two hours yesterday actually four hours round trip to watch ajinka and risa share play so i i won't be able to cover t john salon at least watching live in person on this trip but i will be back home in a couple days so anyway enough about me let's talk about the arizona and duke game Kyle Filipowski had a monster performance and actually saw this breakdown on Twitter about Arizona's defense and what they did to limit Duke. And and basically they, um, they did something on the pick and roll coverage because Duke scored on pick and pops early in the game. They took that away and then they just left Mark Mitchell open. They let Balo guard Mark Mitchell left him open because they don't trust his shooting. And then that, um, played a role in Arizona getting the W, but Kyle Filipowski eight. What do you have? 25 points, like like 25, 25, eight. What were your thoughts on Filipowski performance and and him as the NBA prospect overall? 
Ah, I'm so I think he's a very good college basketball player. My concern about his NBA prospects is is he the defender that you want him to be in space that would compensate for his lack of traditional bulk on the interior as it and not a rim protector? And yes, everyone, the, every second on the broadcast, they bring up his hip surgery. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he's more mobile now. And that was my big knock because I didn't think he was very mobile last year. I thought he was a poor defender. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you could really see it in this game because Umar Balo is who he guarded for most of the game. And yep. Umar Balo, for those of you who don't know, is a very traditional back to the basket, big guy who also runs the floor and just like gets leak outs. So you didn't really see him have to switch. You saw him hedge a little bit. You saw him drop a little bit. So I, I think I still have concerns there until I see that his hips have improved in terms of the flexibility and ability to slide. That said, he can really shoot. He's a skilled player. And in a class that I've mentioned, I perceive to be weaker. He can be a first round pick. Absolutely. I don't see the lottery as some projections do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just feel like the role in the NBA for him is less as we're seeing guys like, for, for instance, Duke players, Lively and Mark Williams, who are centers right now are tremendous athletes who are scoring well because they're getting easy shots and they're defending the basket. Those are far more valuable to me than the archetype of Filipowski. And I think they would score more than Filipowski would in the NBA, despite Filipowski being the far more well-regarded offensive player. Yeah. You know, the, the conversation around Filipowski is definitely mixed. I've talked to a couple scouts about him and one scout mentioned that last year, Filipowski's hips were so bad that he couldn't even get in his stance. And they were concerned about, you know, anytime you have hip surgery, that's one thing, but when you have like double hip surgery. So that's one thing that some of the scouts are going to pay attention to this year. Can he defend in space? Because he should be more mobile, but they said last year the hips were bad. Then I had another very, very respectable basketball mind say that he thought Filipowski was an NBA player coming into his freshman year. And then after last year, he thought this guy is going to be a very, very good European player, which which makes that interesting is that Filipowski had a really good year. He was the most productive. Fre- wasn't he like the best freshman in, in the country last year, at least as far as productivity? Other than Brandon Miller. Other than Brandon Miller, right. Especially out of Duke's loaded class. On one hand, you can say he was very productive and he wasn't healthy. He had two bad hips and he shot the ball horribly and he still had a really good freshman season. So I can see both sides of of the argument. What do you think he needs to do this year to improve his draft stock? I think the main thing would be just show that you can either hedge, that you can slide in space a little bit. So the same thing I mentioned about the hip flexibility defensively, because before even knowing that he had hip issues, that was my main knock. I was like, he cannot move at all. Like, mm-hmm. the, and, and it was bad. And he was playing alongside Derek Lively, which made them a good defense because Derek Lively could clean everything up behind him. Yep. And Mark Mitchell is a ter- terrific three as a defender. And as a four, he's a very good defender as well. But especially when you have that enormous of a front court, he was able to be hidden. But if you watched him, you would be like, man, this guy cannot defend a lick. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is you'd like him to shoot better percentages, but I actually don't care that much about it just because I, I see the stroke. I believe he can shoot. 
Uh, I'm typically someone that I mean, we've had this discussion about numerous players. We had this discussion at the combine together in person about players that look like they can shoot versus the percentages. Holman Hawkins. Yeah, that's exactly who I was about to reference. <laughs> uh, I I think he's a guy who can shoot, and it will be shown by his free throw percentage, and it should be shown by his three-point percentage this year because he'll be playing the five, and he should get good looks. Uh, that said, I'd like to see that percentage go up, and then I'd like to see what can he do as a passer. There's gonna be, He's going to be mm-hmm. a focal point of this offense. Proctor is the guy who's going to orchestrate it all, but can – Filipowski be a supplementary passer can he and I don't love to do these type of comparisons in terms of that they typically align racially but could he be someone like Kelly Olynyk, who's who's a, a hub for passing like he's a secondary playmaker who's on the court can he space the floor but not only as a shooter but can he create for others which makes him more valuable on the offensive side of the ball which is what will be his strong suit no matter how much his hips improve offense is his calling card okay that's that's a fair assessment all right, when we return, we can finish out talking about Kentucky. I actually want to talk to you about some of the guys that haven't been playing. Like, there's a group of freshmen that were highly touted that just have not been getting the minutes that we thought. But let's talk about Jace Medical. Jace has a Jace case, which provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. And all it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, you just jump on a quick call with one of their board certified physicians. You can get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment related questions. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. So do not be caught unprepared. Everyone, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected and Jace handles everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication to delivery and ongoing consultation and care. And why it's so important to have a Jace case is just because there's so much going on as far as just, you know, different things in the world that could have an impact on supply chain issues. And then also Jace is offering a one year supply of ED medications you are covered so you do not have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generic versions of Cialis, Viagra prescriptions. And all of this is possible because of Jace Medical. So go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code Locked On at checkout for a discount as well. Once again, that is Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, last segment. We left off talking about the Kentucky trio. And when they get healthy, that's going to be a lot of minutes and a lot of mouths to feed once they get Zavonimir Ivisic back. You got Aaron Bradshaw, who I think is a lottery pick. You got Gana Oyenso, who some people think is a first-round pick. I mean, they have a lot of talent. And I don't know if all the pieces fit together like you know some of the prior years so that's going to be something to monitor throughout the year all right right, let's talk about Kentucky they played two games what are your thoughts on Kentucky's three freshmen that are playing that are projected well some have projected as first round picks I mean Rob Dillingham is some people don't some do but let's just say between Dillingham DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards. If you had to like give a grade on those three combined, what would that be? 
Man, I, I have no idea because I came into this season thinking before I watched them scrimmage, I was like, okay, Wagner's the guy I think has the it should be the best college player of the bunch. Edwards right now is probably the best prospect, and Dillingham's the wild card. Like he reminds me of Turquavion Smith. You see, Turquavion took 33 shots in his D. Uh, <laughs> Richard debut. Richard texted me immediately and said, You got to <laughs> see what Turquavion's stat line was. So I I, I did see that. Um I, uh, I, but he reminds me of him in, in the good way and the bad way that you never know what you're going to get. And he could be a spark plug score, but he also could, could shoot you out of game. It's kind of the reputation that I'd heard. So I, wa- I watched the scrimmage. He scores 40 and Wagner gets to his spots, but didn't look particularly explosive. His jump shots. Eh, it's, it's, uh, it's in between good and bad. Wow, um, he's shooting 16. I mean, it's two games now. Yeah, I know it's yeah. early 16.7% uh, from three, 50% from the foul line. I'm just I'm just saying in terms of the like the the scrimmage and this is the assessment. Then watching them play actual basketball, Edwards has the easiest path to being the top pick of these guys, mm-hmm. but I just don't see it. Like he doesn't he doesn't dribble well. Like he he doesn't dribble well. He's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete. He he's uh, his jump shot is all right, and, and I don't know. I, I'm a skeptic uh, compared to where some people have him, including yourself. I listen to your podcast with you and James and I listened to it after I'd watched them play. So I'd kind of already formed my assessment. I tried to listen to it with an open mind with both sides and I'm somewhere in between the, the two of you. Uh, yeah. I mean, on, the on jump Edwards. shot is the key. The jump shot is, is the key. And so far, uh, I don't think he's shooting the ball. Well, well from three, <sighs> this, this class is weird, man. Like scouts again, that I've talked to are just like, they do not like this class. Like I said, one guy was like, look, there's going to be three guys that come out of nowhere in this class. And one of those three guys could end up being the best player in this draft. And and, and he referred to 2013. So if I'm not mistaken, that was like Giannis and CJ McCullum. They were like, I think they'd be the top two players in a redraft from that class. I can't think off the top of my head. But yeah, Justin Edwards is shooting just twenty five percent from three. I don't have the actual. Oh, so he's he's basically two for eight. But he was two for yeah, five two, one game. And yeah, he's two for eight, and he's shooting just over fifty percent from the field. And I feel like a lot all his points have been just like in transition. I know he had like one pull up baseline jumper. Dillingham, what what are your thoughts on on, on Dillingham? Other than like Terquavion, do you think he? is an NBA do you think he's worthy of a first round pick I I don't want to give a strong feel either way on this I would say in this class he could be worth a flyer I need to see how well he creates against real competition though like does his quickness that you see against Texas A&M commerce show against Texas A&M I think so. without I... without the commerce I, I think he's got that that jitterbug quickness but I just I need to see if he sees the floor when there's uh, other players that move similarly to him, when there's rim protectors that can actually influence the, what he, what he he's trying to do both passing and shooting the ball. So he's the one I have the least feel for. And Wagner's disappointed me in terms of his swing skill. We all knew is jump shooting and he's been poor, but at the same time, I wonder, I wonder if he's one of those type of guys that, can impact a game and control a game because Calipari seems to have this trust for him that's just ingrained regardless mm, of, yeah. of what's been given there. He just seems <laughs> to have it. I mean, that, and that's one thing that a lot of people feel like he, 
I mean, there's a prior relationship there, so he is going to get the first. You know what I mean? Like he's he's going to be the guy that's that's going to eat and be taken care of first. Let's talk about Omaha Baloo, who is not playing a lot. I think Iowa State had a game today, or maybe they're playing as we're recording. But he is someone that a lot of people were high on, and he has not really played. Adai Mara, and maybe some of it's because he just got cleared, but he's only played 8.5 minutes per game in the two games that he's played. I'm trying to think of somebody else. Kwame Evans has not played a lot. Well, I mean, he's played 22 minutes, but in those 22 minutes in two games, he's averaging four and a half points, 26% from the floor, 16% from the three-point line. Um, trying to think, is there somebody else no. that... Mackenzie Mc- Mbako has hardly done anything. I don't know how much has to do with his arrest, but he's played one game where he scored four points. Yeah, and he played 19 minutes in that game. What are your thoughts on that? Any of those like really shocking and surprising to you? Uh, not terribly shocking, especially in the case of Mara, where it was going to be some growing pains anyway. Plus, he got cleared literally two days before they played mm-hmm. their first game, so that one doesn't shock me at all. I, I that one I have a lot to be determined with. Uh. I, I would say Omaha Bilou doesn't stun me either because oh I don't Iowa State's weird. Let's just let's just put it this way. Iowa State is is a team that plays very aggressive defense, but they don't play at a tremendous pace, which is counterintuitive. And then they often rely on like big guys to orchestrate their offense. They have guards that can't shoot and their bigs can shoot. It's like they're almost inverted. And so I think that it's an awkward landing spot for him as he's a tremendous attacker of the basket. Um, so I I think there's going to be some growing pains there. I, I'm curious to see how he's regarded once we're into the season, especially into Big 12 play where defenses are very stingy in the Big 12. Um, and then Kwame Evans, I saw him play against Georgia. And you could see why he's intriguing. He hit a three, he had a block. Uh, but uh, you can also see why... I think I, I told you I was a little bit of a skeptic coming in. Like his skill set in the Pac-12 seems alluring. I've but I've seen the story with uh, with Oregon before, <laughs> and uh, so I, I think you're seeing that again. They've got a lot of guys that are veteran players that can score the basketball at a decent level. They don't necessarily have the skill set that he does, but they're going to get more run. And I think that's kind of where he's in. He's that's the situation he's in right now. Did you see any of the ignite games? Uh, I saw the first one. What were your thoughts on that game? I'm still not a Matas Buzelis guy. Well, he didn't play. <laughs> so. Yeah. So that that's my main thought is that uh, like I I need to be sold, and I I just can't I can't get sold until I see something from him, and then he's not there. So Ron Holland, like you said at the outset, not a great showing, but at least he's got a skill set that I can buy being a contributor at the next level. Um, What's I think that? I'm higher the, on him. the motor. I, I think he's got great a great first step. He he really gets going towards the rim quickly. And I I think he could be taught to pass the ball and create. And then defensively, I think that like you said, the motor, the rebounding is a skill set that will translate. I'm not saying he's gonna skill uh, the skill set translating to stardom, but I but I think at least I have a 
a platform with which to work with him. Whereas Buzelis, I think there's more like rare skills there, but I just don't see it. I don't feel like there's this toughness there. There's not this uh, nastiness or, or competitive streak you typically want to see with someone with those skills that you want to be your top scorer. Yeah, and if you combine those two together, you'd have a legitimate number one pick and franchise guy. Because what Buzelis has, Holland lacks, and what Holland has, Buzelis definitely lacks. I wish you could combine them. I, I just want to see how they look when everyone is there. I mean, they got blown out by the Ontario Clippers in the second game. Without a doubt, there's without a doubt in my mind, Tyler Smith has looked better than everyone on that team. He didn't have the same hype or fanfare coming in, but if you just look at the games and you didn't know who is who, you just watch the game, you say Tyler Smith is the best prospect. In the second game, he was 6 of 9 from the floor, 2 of 4 from deep, 16 points, 5 rebounds. I think in the first game, he didn't really rebound well, but it was a much closer game. It was 109 to 102, but he was phenomenal. I mean, he only played, well, he played 31 minutes, but he was eight of nine from the floor, four, four, four of four from deep, three assists. I'm sorry, three rebounds, one assist. So you would like him to see him rebound a little bit more. But in two games, he's been shooting lights out. And I think that he has a really projectable skill set for the NBA because he is a 6'10, 6'11 shooter, floor spacer. And he's been blocking shots. So I think just based off of two games, and, and I can even say based off of the games from the against Perth. Against Perth, and then even in the um Intercontinental Cup. If you just you know use all of those games and you had to make an assessment, you can't tell me that Ron Holland is shown to be 30 to 40 picks better than Tyler Smith based off of what people are projecting. Yeah. I don't know why Tyler Smith's so low. Uh, he was I, forgotten about it. OTE. All the attention went to the Thompson twins and even like Almanza. I mean, you can't, I can't say that he's played well. He hasn't scored in double figures in the two games. And a lot of people really like him as a top five pick lottery pick. I mean, Tyler Smith has played better than both of those guys. And it just shows you that, Sometimes this pre-draft hype can really carry, I mean, really carry you pretty far. And Tyler didn't have it, but I mean, he's he's hooping right now. Could Tyler Smith be this year's Taylor Hendricks, where he kind of emerges? In, and it's a little bit different. Obviously, Taylor Hendricks was at UCF, but he goes number nine. Uh, could could Smith work his way all the way up there because of a, a skill set that's being coveted by the NBA? Yeah, I mean, you would hope it's you know a. a a better situation. I mean, I think Taylor Hendricks was in a good situation financially, but I don't see where he's going to play in his first contract unless some major changes are made. But I mean, possibly, I mean, I think that, I mean, there are some similarities. Um, Taylor was a, a, a good shot blocker. And so far Tyler has proven to be a pretty good shot blocker. Tyler shooting the ball very well. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that situation happening. I mean, the thing about Tyler was that he was a top five recruit mm -hmm. before he goes to OTE. And if I'm just keeping it 100, 
he goes to OTE and then he kind of disappears in a sense. And the mainstream media, the people that ranked him high, just totally forgot about him. And they he just wasn't in people's faces anymore. The numbers were good. I, I want to say, I, I used to know it by the top of my head, but I think his first year at OTE, he finished in the top five in three-point shooting percentage. So he's always been able to shoot. He's always been tall and long. It's just all the attention went to the Thompson twins. I mean, even like Ifan Almanza. I didn't hear much about him at OTE. It's like if he doesn't have those huge summers playing for the national teams, maybe he's even, you know, not not being talked about. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, thank you, the listener, for making Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Me and Leaf just shot the breeze and shared our thoughts on a few prospects over the first. Has, has it even been a week yet? I, I guess it's not officially a week of the college basketball season. We'll definitely have more. I mean, obviously, there were plenty of players that we didn't get a chance to cover. But once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Once again, it's Raphael with Leaf Tulane, and we are out.